Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I am your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Claus Destroyer. Um, Claus has been on my waiting list for a long time. He was super patient with me, and it was really nice to record with him. Uh, we talk a lot about Souls games, but we also mention a little bit of Armored Core for you mech fans out there. And all around, I think it's a great episode that I hope you enjoy listening to. I actually started getting into games as a kid. One of my older brothers got Super Nintendo, um, and that just kind of went from there. Got the Nintendo 64, moved on to PlayStation 2, and actually picked up Armored Core 2 and Armored Core 3, not realizing they were from Soft. I, I found that out later. You're not um, going to believe this, but uh, I'm recording two episodes of Don't Give Up Skeleton today, and the one that I, I just finished up, uh, we went on, the guy was like, yeah, I started with Armored Core 2, and then we talked for like 15 minutes straight about Armored Core. So. <laughs> Those games were awesome. <laughs> and I wish I wish that I could remap controls, because the, the controls on those were so terrible. Like, there's no way I could go back and play them, but they were so good. Yeah, I've... Uh, I, this is weird because I was just saying this, but I don't think it really matters. But uh, I, I've been waiting for From Software to come out with a new one of those so I can jump in with a new game. I think going back to an older one would be a little too difficult, be a little too frustrating for me to appreciate. So I, I would very much want them to make like a, a new modern version. So Oh, yeah, me too. And I've, I've even looked up like several times over to see if they were having anything on PS4 because I don't have a PS3. Um, and, and there's nothing. Nothing on. I mean, there's a rumor there's one in the making, but yeah, other than that, it's we got nothing. Yeah, that's and it's disappointing for Armored Core fans who've probably seen like Dark Souls be their flagship for the last eight or nine years, and they're like, really, really? Yeah, <laughs> we don't even get one robot game, and you guys get like nothing? five no. medieval fantasy games. <laughs> Seriously. So then, okay, so then after that, um, I kind of fell out of games for a while. Um, I went into high school, had other things that I was preoccupied with. And didn't come. I didn't come back to games until partway through college, and I think after I had met my wife already. So by the time I did come back, I had I would I got an Xbox One, and there were a handful of games out. And I tried things like The Witcher and Halo Five, and Halo Five was just so disappointing. And I actually got I I kind of got bored of games because I was I was like they don't make them like they used to. Like why aren't there games like Armored Core out there? And then there was one day I was just browsing through like Imgur or something, and I saw a GIF of some invader in Dark Souls getting parried and then killed in one hit. And I was like, "What's this game?" <laughs> that's a good. And then it's a good intro to the series of see, seeing something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I saw another one that was like somebody picking up the game and then just putting it on their table, and then the "you died" thing came up, and they're like, "Man, this game's hard." And I was like, what, what is this game? So I went over to Redbox and got it. And I started and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm the kind of person that every time I start a game, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to look up anything online. I'm just going to play through the game. And then like the next day I start looking stuff up online because I'm so excited about the game. <laughs> so I get home, I install this and I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to look up anything. I'm just going to play. I'm just going to see how it is. This is the, I'm, I'm sorry, I must have missed it. The remaster or is this is Dark Souls 2 or which game was this? This is this is Dark Souls 3. Okay, Dark Souls 3, gotcha. So I started there and like like an hour after fighting Udix Gundir, I was like, fuck this. This is hard. So <laughs> I look up guides. How do you beat Udix Gundir? And every guide is like, um, you you just have to kill him. Like there's nothing, nothing concrete. No, like, oh, well, if you hit him in this spot, he gets weak and then he, he, you know, you can kill him easier. The only thing that I sort of saw was parry him. And so I'm like, okay. So I go out there and I try to parry him and nothing works. I was like, okay, well, this, this is hard. So I finally fumble through this, um, after probably two hours of fighting him and then, the next day, 
I think it, I took, I think it took me that first night entirely. And then the next day I, I was looking up stuff online and I found this like Kotaku article about, um, like beginner's tips for dark souls three or something like that. And it straight up says in the article, Oh yeah, we recommend you go with sorcerer so that you can shoot the, the sword master and take his sword and use that. And we've been using it for the entire game so far and it's great. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. So I restart as the sorcerer because I was like, I might as well restart now. I restart as a sorcerer, get through Gundir. And then it took me like five hours to get through the first like area to get to Vort. And I seriously went so slow through that whole thing. Just, poking around the corner, making sure there's nothing there and and just keeping a distance and spamming that magic spell because I was so weak and I had like the worst shield in the game. <laughs> and so so this is this is all from the Redbox rental. So I take it back and then I go on a work trip for a week and all I can think about is Dark Souls. So I'm like watching Twitch, watching anything I can like looking up anything I can find. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm buying this game. So I get back, I buy the game, and it I, it took me probably 60 hours to get through the first time, and that's not doing any optional bosses. That's just main story stuff. But I went as a sorcerer, so, you know, that's that's got its own challenge. Yeah, my first run in Dark Souls 3 was, was a sorcerer, and uh, even as someone who had played the games quite a bit, I just, I mean, like that, that first, that first run for me was just a pain in the ass. Like it was just really, really hard to make progress as a sorcerer. Splitting your Estus was a, was a new thing that I didn't particularly like that much. And it just, I felt underpowered the entire time. Like it's, it's a really strange way for somebody to tell you to start, (laughs) to start the game out, even using that sword, which can, can be very helpful. Like it's still not like, does it, it's not easy mode by any means. Well, and that's the thing it's like, I dumped probably, I don't know eight level ups into decks just so I could use that sword. And I never ended up using it because my magic was better. I could shoot farther and the sword. I, I ran the risk of getting close to enemies to use the sword, but I was basically just wearing those wizard robes the first half of the game and running around with this sword that I never used that I had barely the stats to use. Yeah, it was, it was a rough go, but I loved it. Like, I thought it was awesome. Every time I found a new spell, I, I tested that out to see how that worked. And I was committed to that sorcerer playthrough because I was like, nope, I, I started this way. I got to finish this way. But one of the cool things about the the first area that kind of got me interested in the game was when I was like, I was getting down to the that last little stretch between Dancer and, and Vort. And in this little guide that I has I was looking up, it was saying, oh, you'll get to your, your first boss fight. And I walk into the uh, the area with the dancer and I see all these bloodstains. And I'm watching them. <laughs> all these people get lifted up into the air and then just fall down dead. And I was like, what is this place? Like, I am going to die. And I couldn't figure it out. Like, I, I figured the boss fight was in there and I, I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, this is freaky. Like, when's this going to happen? And yeah, nothing nothing happened there. For a while <laughs> that was one of the things where you were like you know I'm, I, you keep expecting something to happen but it, it, when it doesn't you even get like more nervous about it yeah like i i figured out that bloodstains were like okay something's something's around the corner here and there were like a hundred in this room it's like oh like something goes down here and there was just this one little old lady sitting in a chair i'm like i i don't believe i don't trust you lady but <laughs> <laughs> what about it i mean obviously there was that kind of mystery to that to that section but what do you think about the game was it the the setting or the mechanics or what kind of pulled you through all of the difficulty like did you when you finally like clicked with the controls did you go like okay now i've got this and then go from there honestly i think one of the things that i was frustrated about with modern games up to this point was the tutorial like they always had this long ass cutscene at the start that you, you couldn't skip and it was like 10 minutes long and then you had this tutorial that's like, no, you have to press this button right now. Do it. And like most of the time I'd start a game. I'm like, I just want to play the game. I don't I don't care about this other stuff. Just sure. throw me in. I'll figure it out. And that's exactly what Dark Souls did. 
and then the fact that any enemy could kill you if you were if you had your guard down like i loved it that was that was great it wasn't like i'm this invincible hero that can take anyone down in one or two hits and they they take like 15 hits to kill me it was it it felt like a level playing field and i think that's mostly what drew me in interesting so it was, it was not necessarily the, the difficulty, but the kind of challenge and, the, and allowing you to figure things out for yourself that did it for you. Yeah. It actually, it, it harkened back to the old games on Super Nintendo where they just kind of threw you in and, and you just kind of had to figure everything out on your own. How long did that first run take you of Dark Souls 3? I think it took about 60 hours. That's about right. Yeah, that's that's that sounds so, a reasonable amount of time for a Souls game, I think. <laughs> the, so I'm actually I'm looking at these bosses here. Um, Vort took me a really long time. I ran out of embers. I couldn't finish him without with with any help. So I, he took me a long time. Greatwood took me a long time because I was shooting my magic at his at his balls. Dude, that and, that boss was because at that time I was using a dagger and uh, and you know I had spells and it just took like that that fight was such a wall for me until I would and then coming back through on a strength run with an axe that it was like all of maybe two minutes and I was like oh this is this is definitely what you're supposed to do with this <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well and the the number of enemies that are like not immune but like pretty close to immune to magic was ridiculous in this game because Crystal Sage gave me a hard time. I think Abyss Watchers were hard because they were so fast. Like, they'd keep dodging my magic. And then the Deacons were hard because I took a minute for me to figure out which one to even hit. And they were resistant to magic. Like, it, it got rough. And then I, I figured out once I got my magic up to, like, 50, 60, or my intelligence, then things started dying pretty quick. Like, Yorm, I think I took out second try. Aldrich, man, he was rough. Aldrich is a tough fight, man. Like that's that's <laughs> that fucking bow attack will, will mess you up. Yeah, well, and with him, you don't want to keep distance. You want to be close. And I, like, I couldn't do it. I was, I think, on that one, I had to summon because none of my things did anything. Like I, I think I invested a little bit into pyromancy at that point, and I, it was rough. <laughs> Like that whole first that whole first playthrough was so hard, but it was it was so fun at the same time. You I didn't realize that you got it from there. Like you you had the bug from there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So then after that, I just was looking up everything I could about all the Dark Souls, and I was like, I should I should buy the other ones. And I went and bought number two because it was like twelve dollars, and. I played like 10 minutes of it and I was like, I, I want to play Dark Souls 3 again. <laughs> and so I, I did a full playthrough of Dark Souls 3 and then I'm like, okay, I really should go back to 2. And then I saw Dark Souls 1 was on sale for like $5 on Steam. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with number 1. So I grabbed that and then I think I played like 5 or 10 minutes of that and I was like, I just want to play Dark Souls 3 again. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously I probably played through Dark Souls 3 like five or six times before moving on to the others different builds and different kind of strategies is that what we're set separate yeah. or is it runs apart sometimes sometimes it was the exact same builds just because <laughs> I wanted to do them again <laughs> like pyromancy was awesome in Dark Souls 3 um but yeah, so I, I went through as a sorcerer and then I was like, no, I want to see what it's like doing doing pyromancy. So I did that and then I, I was like, okay, what about miracles? And I started doing miracles and I was like, this is this is dumb because a lot of the miracles do, you have to be pretty close and you don't really get good miracles for a while. And then I tried a, like a big heavy sword run and I got bored because it felt you know it was like okay i've got like two moves with the sword i can have like <laughs> 10 spells so then my big heavy sword run stopped and i started another pyromancer run and yeah it i played through that game a ton and then i when uh they announced the first dlc i was like okay this is a couple months i'm gonna get through the other two games real quick so then i i went on to dark souls one and I man, that game, they they like caught lightning in a bottle with that game. <laughs> I've often said that on this podcast. Like, I don't the the 
the combination of the the world design and the level design as well as the the pvp and the estes systems and all of that stuff kind of tie together to make a, a really nice experience like it's it seems perfectly balanced for what it is and uh even though you can break it in hilarious ways like that that's a good quality of a video game to me well and like everything about it like i i swear i did not give a rat's ass about the story in dark souls 3 and dark souls 1 it was like there were there were just enough cutscenes and there were just enough like dialogue options with people that it was like that that world just was so interesting that that storyline was actually interesting it like and then the whole the, the fact that the whole world is connected like you get to firelink shrine and it's not like a separate area it's just part of the world like you can bring skeletons back to firelink if you want to like it was it's just crazy like i I can see how that game would capture so much interest at the time it came out. Oh yeah. It was, it was, even though it's remarkably like demon souls. Uh, and like, I think people that started with demon souls looked at it and was like, Oh yeah, this is a, a natural su- successor. Um, it really felt like to me, like there was nothing else like it at the time. Yeah, I bet. Well, even dark souls three, like I, I struggle to find anything like that at the time. I mean, there's, there's plenty of, clones that are trying some of the same things now but it's still nothing nothing quite like dark souls in my opinion what was it like um i'm I'm always curious about this because dark souls 3 this the story relies so heavily on like pre-knowledge from dark souls 1 um and even some some dark souls 2 stuff thrown in there here and there but uh what was it like going through that game like did you have any clues to what was happening throughout it or was it like that kind of first dark souls experience that a lot of us have which is like i don't know why i'm murdering these people but they're i'm gonna murder them until i get until i stop uh honestly so i came i came to that game right after witcher 3 and i when i i used to be the kind of person that i'd pick something up and i'd read the description and then i'd move on but witcher 3 man that that thing had way too many things to pick up and read mm-hmm. and most of them i didn't feel like were that rewarding it was like okay some some guy wrote this letter to his brother and like i don't care <laughs> and so i i burned out of like reading item descriptions in that game so once i got to dark souls i really didn't care to read anything i honestly didn't care about any story in a game i just wanted to play a game just to have fun so so the amount of story I got from Dark Souls 3 was from a few dialogue options with NPCs and any cutscenes they had, which were basically boss intros. So yeah, I was like, oh, it's a game. There's these people trying to kill me, so I'll, I'll kill them, I guess. <laughs> like, that's, that's what my logic was. Sure. And actually, did you ever play any Metal Gear Solid games? Um, I have, uh, I'm like weirdly educated on Metal Gear Solid stuff, but the only game that I've actually, uh, played to completion is the fifth one. Um, I started several of them throughout the, you know, throughout the, the years, but just never clicked with one until the fifth one. And still I'm one of those weirdos who like approaches five and it's like, I wish there was none of this Kojima stuff. I just want this raw ass gameplay. <laughs> like that first hour of that game, I was like, if no one had told me that the game opens up after that first hour, I would have been like, no, I don't want to like do this for 40 hours, which I, is my understanding of what <laughs> Metal Gear Solid four is. So, yeah. Um, so I, I played two and three because, you know, I was a PlayStation two guy for, forever and i feel like maybe i'm wrong but i feel like there was a mechanic where you could basically take an enemy's like costume or uniform or whatever and put that on and walk through their their entire area like undercover basically and so i uh in that first area before you get to vort that first lothric knight messed me up so many times and i was like you know what I've noticed that every time I killed him, he's dropped a different piece of armor. So I, I kill him a few times and I deck out in his gear and then I dress up exactly like him. And I'm like, I want to see if I can just walk right past him like this. <laughs> How's he going to know that I'm not a, I'm not a yeah. knight. And so I'm like thinking I'm so clever, like this is going to be great. And I start walking past him and he just, nope, he sees right through my bullshit. He just <laughs> kills me like instantly because I was, I was sure. fat rolling at that point. So I couldn't get away. He was like, no, no, you're not on my usual mindless 
little path that I, I walk back and forth every day. So you're going to die. That's hilarious. I was, I was so disappointed. I, I wish I could just camouflage my way through that game, but it didn't work. You know, that's, it's funny that you say that because that's what I ended up doing with my sorcerer build as I would use, um, what was it? Hush, I think. And like hidden weapon or, or whatever. Um, I have a, I have a really great video of me in the Ithril dungeon, you know, the, at the very bottom with all those chicks that are just like circling that room. Um, mm-hmm. and there's that one item that you can pick up in one of the cells that seems to trigger an audio cue of just somebody screaming, uh, well, I was like sneaking through that area, like no enemies had noticed me at all. And I got there and it, like started screaming and I just I literally out loud on the mic was like, holy shit, what is that? <laughs> like I jumped because <laughs> <laughs> I thought just I thought, like, oh, wait, my, my spell had worn off. And now I'm going to have like 15 of these people chasing me. But yeah. <laughs> oh, and then they like slow you down and then your health bar just disappears. And, and you don't know uh, why you have no idea what's going on. You start panicking because you can't roll away infinitely because you, you can't. You're just too slow. Yeah, that part was freaky. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a tough it's a tough part of that level for sure. Like that, Dark Souls three is is in my mind probably the the toughest one, especially with the DLC. Like it just requires an amount of patience and and kind of dedication to killing a boss that sometimes I don't I don't really have. Like even as a huge fan of the series, yeah, it it does it it tests you a lot more. Um, which is funny because so I've heard I've listened to some of your other people that you talk to on these podcasts and like i think i think i kind of similarly went through some depression stuff not nearly as bad probably as actual like prescribed depression um when i first got into the game i was working second shift and there was like five people at work that i would ever see and then i was also like i'd come home and my wife would usually be in bed or about to go to bed and so i I got kind of lonely not not like lonely, but a little bit and a little bit depressed. Mm-hmm. And so Dark Souls was just there and I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is consistent. Like, they're not going anywhere. Even even in the game, they don't go anywhere. They're just they're just still there every time. It's not like randomly generated enemies or anything. Yeah, the people that I've talked to uh, often have a description of it just even though it's it's relatively difficult and it's like a scary environment, like it's the it's the comfortableness of all of these enemies are always going to be in the same place. Uh, all of those weapons are going to be in the same place, and you get that there's a there's a comfort in that sameness that that comes from you know playing the game. And I'm sure that if you're because second shift sucks, like like working where when nobody else is around, and then like it's it's almost like you have a weird ghost life somehow, uh, where you're just kind of drifting in where all everyone else is like living their life, and you're you're kind of not. And so I can I can definitely see you like picking up the controller and like expecting that kind of sameness and com- and getting some comfort out of that. Oh yeah, well, and even to make things worse on on my shift, out of like those five or six people, uh, most of them weren't very good at English they had really heavy accents and kind of struggled with it. So there were like two people that I would talk to at night at work (laughs) and then my wife. And so it was, it was weird. Like I hated that job. I mean, it was a good job. It was just, I hated the shift, but I came very close to, uh, like I was making, uh, King cakes for a while. Um, if you, if you don't live in Louisiana, I've never encountered a king cake. It's like a Mardi Gras kind of uh, pastry that we make down here and, and put plastic shit in for people to, to accidentally choke on. Um, yeah. But uh, there was a company in the town I lived in that that specialized in sending these out all over the country. So they after the the normal baking hours, they would bring us in to make like hundreds of king cakes. But I wouldn't get out of there until like three or four in the morning or something. And it was just... It was just weird getting off work at a time where like the entire city is dead, essentially. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and then that's when I started listening to podcasts too. Cause then we moved up to my, my in-laws house. It was like an hour drive from work. So I drive to an hour, an hour and then I drive home for an hour at middle of the night with no cars on the road. And like, I listened to almost all of bonfireside chat and then I, was like, okay, what else can I listen to? And then I found this <laughs> podcast and I started listening to everything here and I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And yeah, I just I just gobbled it all up. Like I played through I played through the games and then I needed something to listen to at work because I was still obsessing about Dark Souls. 
It was a. Uh, it was crazy. It was like a drug addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look back at like when I discovered Dark Souls one for the first time, and uh, after I like played through the story a couple of times, I got really heavily into the PvP thing, and. It was it was just a case of I would I would try to pick up another game and like five or ten minutes into it I could be I, I could be playing Dark Souls right now and I would just go play Dark Souls instead of play that new new video game that was over there and yeah you start doing that thing of like searching out I can't tell you how many people I know that like put in Dark Souls podcast and and found Bonfireside Chat or found me or found the Twin Humanities and then you start seeking out YouTube videos and forums and just any place that you can talk to anybody about this this weird game series that at the time it yeah. seemed like nobody knew about so. Oh yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like for, I think, so I, I think I picked up Dark Souls three, like probably around April of 2016. Mm-hmm. And then I think I played that, like that and the other two Dark Souls games for like a year and a half or something. And then right around Christmas time, I, uh, I really wanted to play Bloodborne cause I wanted to see what that was like. So I, I convinced my wife to let me get a PlayStation four just to play Bloodborne. (laughs) The $350 video game. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at the time the PlayStation had dropped down to two fifty. So, Oh, well, so it's, and you can probably pick up Bloodborne for like 20 bucks or so. So it's not that bad. Uh Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't $300, but it was pretty much $300. But did it hold up? Like were you, were your expectations met? Not, you know what? I like it. I just, it wasn't what I was hoping it would be. And here's why. Because, so I played through Dark Souls 1 and 2, and then I played through the DLCs of number 3 again. And I think one of the main things that kept me interested was the medieval setting, but also, like, the magic. Like, I love magic in video games, and it seems like most games have horrible magic. And at least Dark Souls 2 and 3, I mean, all three of them, have really pretty good magic compared to most games out there and i i picked up bloodborne and i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go magic and i was like wait there's no magic it's like these hunter tools and i was just like bummed out about it because i couldn't do my stereo like my typical sorcerer first playthrough that i started in dark souls 3 and so i was like oh okay so I played through with like the the Ludwig Holy Blade or something. And I was like, that was a cool game. But then like I'm like, okay, I'll try I'll try an arcane build. And I did that and it was it was fine. It was cool. You can get the different a couple of different types of spells, but the game seriously was not built around you using arcane builds because it was a breeze. Like the entire game was a breeze. Yeah, I like uh, I, 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 my most played character on Bloodborne. I think it's an arcane build that I did, and it's mostly because I would did so much challenge dungeons, so many challenge dungeons. Jesus, I can't talk today. So many chalice dungeons uh, with that character, just a bunch of co-op and things like that. And um, none of the spells are particularly like greatly effective. Even the DLC stuff, like even that uh, Cyclops Eye uh, thing, is it's okay. Um, but so it doesn't never really feels dramatically different than a melee build or anything. Uh, but it's, but it's, but it's fun killing stuff with fire and lightning. Like that's kind of where I came down on it. It's just, it's really fun to have a giant flame sword and then a giant pizza cutter that spews out electric bolts and just mows down anything that looks vaguely alien in that game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was good. The executioner's gloves were definitely like the staple in my build. Yeah. But it seriously, yeah, with how limited you were on your casts of everything, it was it it was rough to try and do a full like magic type build in that game. But the game itself was really cool. Like a lot of really cool elements and I feel like if they would have had a little bit more options for magic, then I probably would have played just as much as Dark Souls three in, in Bloodborne. But as it was, you only got about <clears throat> one or two playthroughs you said out of it. No, I still, I still did a lot. So I think total right now in Dark Souls three, I've probably done like fifteen playthroughs, maybe more. <laughs> and then Bloodborne, you don't have to I be probably, embarrassed. You're on the right podcast to admit things like that, man. <laughs> and then Bloodborne, I probably did like six or seven, maybe. So I still played a lot. 
How did you find the uh, the melee differences, like the straight up mechanic differences? Because three is is very much a, a child of Bloodborne. I find like they play not similarly, but they they have a, a certain speediness to the combat that I think the previous games didn't really have. So I, I actually felt like Bloodborne um, kind of limited its own potential, like because in Dark Souls you can equip a sword in one hand, a sword in the other hand, you can equip a shield in both hands, you can equip a staff in both hands, a staff in one hand, a sword in another hand. Like you can, you can get pretty creative with your, with your builds in dark souls three. And then bloodborne, it's like, okay, this hand is for guns and that one shield. And then this other <laughs> hand is for your weapons. And so I was like, Oh, and then it, like they, they kind of expand on it with the trick weapons. And some of them turn into two handed weapons, which is cool. Like the, the hunter's ax was my first playthrough. Like the entire game was that weapon. Spin to win. Oh Yeah. It was. It felt so cheap, and then I and then I tried the threaded cane, and fighting Father Gascoigne with the cane was also super cheap because that thing has endless range. It seems. Yeah, I know a lot of people uh, diss the threaded cane, but that was that was my first run on Bloodborne, so I always have like this special feeling in my heart. Like, and also, it's worth it just for how many times you're going to switch it between the uh, whip mode and the sword mode, and it like your hunter does that cool like tap animation with the cane, and I just love that so much. Like, I will just want to, I want to watch that over and over again. <laughs> you have to have a top hat for that animation, though. One hundred percent top hat, yeah, one one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, why even use the cane? I mean, if you're not if you're not wearing a top hat, are you really playing Bloodborne? Is that is that even a thing that you're yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I don't think you are. Do you get into the fashion soul stuff? Like, do you do you spend a lot of time customizing your character and and dressing it up? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and it was actually really really nice to hear in Dark Souls three that most of the armor doesn't make that big of a difference. Like it kind of does, but just wearing armor is better than not wearing armor. So. In Dark Souls 3, I just fashioned it all the way. In fact, when I started getting into PvP in that game, so the, the first playthrough, I avoided it at all costs of all three games. But when I got into PvP, um, I actually was doing a miracle build. And this was like fresh after the last DLC with Lightning Arrow. <laughs> and so I dressed up as like this little handmaid or this little priestess or something. And I'm sitting there casting little spells from a distance and like the way I had set up my build was it was like a strength and faith build and so I was using the earth seeker just because it was a cool axe but it also was pretty good and most people at the time on reddit were like oh no there's always better axes to use especially on a faith build but I was like no I'm gonna use this weapon I think it's cool (laughs) and so I'm sitting there like pew pew like and these big and these dudes with these giant swords are like, whatever, this is just a weak caster. So I'm going to run up and kill them. And then as they get closer, I pull out this ax and I just like do a, a charged attack and murder them in like one hit. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that build was probably like my favorite build because I could lightning arrow all day because it, it wasn't like a super energy intensive spell. And you could also time the cast for when they're getting out of a roll. So it was amazing. But then they'd get close and I'd pull out this massive axe and just chop them down with it. It was great. <laughs> did you do a lot of PvP in, in Dark Souls 3? Uh, yes, I did. After playing through it like 10 times, I decided to get into PvP. And uh, watching Fighter PL on YouTube inspired me because i suck at pvp in every game i play and so i was like you know what if i'm gonna do pvp i'm gonna be super cheap and rotten and filthy about it <laughs> so i <laughs> it sounds I'd like my kind of build <laughs> stripped down to like just just a little loincloth or something and in my offhand have like the great club and then i just run around with the torch dropping prism stones everywhere and so I'd like gain these people's trust and I'm just kind of casually walking through the whole area with them. And then when they're close to a, a cliff or something, like I'd pull out my, my talisman and cast force to knock them off the cliff or I'd pull out my club and I'd knock them off. Like I was cheap. And I, I even started like recording captures of me doing these cheap things. And one of my favorite ones that I, I have is, 
it's in the 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 catacombs, like right before the boss, um, Wolnir. And I was hiding, and somebody like goes across the bridge, and I shoot the bridge, and they're like, "Oh." And I went to the DLC way early and got the the bow that's like the rocket launcher bow that explodes. <laughs> and so I'm running around with this torch on the other side of the bridge like, hey. <laughs> and I pretend like I'm going to go up and like drop down onto that ledge to fight the, the guys. And I go up and I pull out my bow and I see one dude coming down this bridge. I think it was the visitor to fight me. And then the host like being careful in the background and I shoot the the arrow behind him and you can see him like turn around and then like by the time he realizes what happened and tries to run back it blows up and knocks him off the cliff like it was probably the most satisfying cheap kill i've gotten (laughs) it's fun like there's something about these games if you if you get real into the pvp they can bring out the inner asshole in you if you if you if you let them do so oh yeah well and at first like every time somebody would you know survive my attempt to be cheap and like knock them off a cliff they usually kill me and then like i got to a point where i was actually pretty decent at just holding my own in normal combat and so i was like oh i guess i could do this this is this isn't that bad and so i'd always try the cheap way first because it was just hilarious to do that but then if you know shit hit the fan i could still sometimes win did you get into uh, a bunch of fight clubs or like the arena stuff in Dark Souls three? That always, um, like, I got into the arena stuff in Dark Souls one, but it was, it was always like a pre-planned event with friends, and we're just going to do the goofiest shit imaginable. But uh, for me, like the the heart of Dark Souls PvP has always been the invading, and like I'm going to interrupt you playing this game, not necessarily like let's all like agree to fight at a particular time. No, I never got into those just because I knew that on a level playing field, I was going to suck. Cause I, I didn't have the magic prediction timing to know when to parry in PVP. And also like, it was just more, more exciting to try and ruin somebody's day. I, I mean, I got to a point where I had so many embers, I didn't know what to do with them. So I just drop them before killing somebody, but like, I'd leave a little, a little breadcrumb trail of embers for, <laughs> for people. And they're like, Oh, okay. So then I wouldn't feel bad about killing them because then they'd, usually end up with a few embers out of it but yeah so like a like a santa claus that would knock over your tree before 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 they left basically (laughs) yeah well and like uh like you ever see despicable me yeah no 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 i'm sorry no i haven't i've seen the the trailers for it so there's the first one like the first five minutes of the movie um there's this song playing that you know he's like this bad dude and whatever and he goes up to this kid and the kid had dropped their ice cream cone and he's like, Oh, well here, have a balloon. And the kid's all happy that he has a balloon. And then he pops it and the kid starts crying again. <laughs> and that's Dark Souls PVP in a nutshell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like I give them an ember and they're like, Oh, well you're not so bad. And then I knock them off a cliff <laughs> or I'd lead them straight into a big pile of enemies and then uh, just let them go nuts. I know I asked you kind of um, like how difficult the story was to interpret, but uh, do you do you find yourself playing these games for the story or is it mostly just the mechanics and like the exploration and, and being able to kill stuff with, with cool weapons? Um, I really like I don't care that much about the story. Like I think mm-hmm. it's there's some interesting stuff and especially like what people have like the stories that people have come up with from just an item being in one certain place. Like I think that's all cool. But I am totally all in for the mechanics. What uh is I'm assuming that Dark Souls Three is your favorite across the series, just in terms of mechanics. Then, yep, yep. Let, let me ask you a question. As somebody who's played a lot of this, do you use weapon arts at all? I find one any time I play a Dark Souls Three, like I just I just never get around to using them for any reason. Um, I use the long sword weapon art that makes people's shields go up. And that's probably the only one. Okay. <laughs> I just wonder, like, that seems like it's such a, it could have been such an interesting thing, but like, it feels like they wanted to do something kind of like Bloodborne's uh, transform, transforming weapons, but a little bit scaled back and a little bit more 
varied car so you could have more weapons that did something interesting but i don't know none, none of them just seemed that great situationally in any of my playthroughs well and so many of them just kind of turned into the same things i don't know they they didn't i did like it could have been it could have been like a dragon's dogma where you can have multiple different skills when you press that button but then they they just didn't expand on it much more than oh well if you do this then then you just do a war cry and you do more damage yeah oh now you have more poise and poise doesn't really matter carry yeah i guess the only one i ever got any use out of was the the dagger slide thing which i I don't know if they ever fixed it but at the time it was like you could just basically cruise through swamps and stuff so it was a real quick way to get through anything that would slow you down oh yeah i don't know if that i don't don't know if they ever patched that out or not i don't i don't think so because i I remember cruising (laughs) through swamps with that thing too yeah do you have a is it is magic your favorite build in the in dark souls 3 of all of the ones that you've done like what's your what's your what's the one that you always go back to that you want to play the most so I actually haven't played any of the games for probably a year mm-hmm. or more, but I think it would probably be magic of sorts, whether it's miracles or pyromancy or sorcery. Like some sor- of some sort of uh, magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I actually had, I actually had something that I was going to bring up about Bloodborne. And I, we just got talking about PVP. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what happens so, on this okay. podcast. You just start random, randomly talking about things. <laughs> yeah. So in uh, Bloodborne, like, so there's there's mechanic insight, and I feel like that that could have had some really cool things attached to it, um, because at, right now it's kind of like if you get more insight up to a certain point, like you can see things change in the world right and it's it's almost like a a switch like if you get this much insight then you can see these things before before you beat the spider boss so i uh so i grew up pretty religious and like i don't know if this was even a teaching of like the religion that i grew up in or if it was just like a, a little off offshoot belief that some of the people had but basically the whole concept of insight, like I kind of, I kind of believed in something like that in real life. Like, oh, well, if you're, if you become this spiritual, like sometimes you can see people who have died and it can be family members or it can be other people, but like sometimes you can like see like ghosts and stuff like that. And so I think it'd be, I think, I think it'd be really cool if, uh, if insight was a little bit more of a slider like you get 10 insight and then randomly see like one of the amygdala's legs or something like just pass in front of you and then it just disappears again and then you get like more insight and then you can see like the leg but you can't see the rest of the body or i don't know i think i think something like that would be cool um I always wanted or, them to do like way more with insight than they did. Like I want to like what you're talking about. Like if I have four insight, I want to see like something kind of coming through the walls, but I can't really tell what it is, but it just looks different than it used to, you know, like a, a slow grade up from that. I understand that, you know, from an art perspective, that'd be pretty difficult to implement, but uh, I, I want yeah. that to, I want that, I want that insight to be something more than if you have this much, then you're, you know, then you can see stuff and also frenzy will fuck you up faster. Yeah. Frenzy was the worst. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's really no defense of frenzy at all. It's a, it's a game mechanic. Yeah, I hated that. That was terrible. In fact, if you had low insight, did it make frenzy not as bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your frenzy resist okay. was tied to, I don't know if it was a resist stat or whatever, but you had to have, if you dumped all your insight, like you would be able to resist frenzy better. Because I think, I think I figured out that like insight wasn't really that great to have. And so I always ended up spending it because I'd rather spend it than have the brain suckers take it. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be cool if frenzy or if, uh, if insight also added like as, as like a, a stat almost that altered, like affected the damage of your weapons or arcane weapons or something, but you couldn't like level it up the, the typical way. 
Yeah, this is similar to how uh, Soft Humanity and Dark Souls 1 works, where, you know, and really, you don't, I never noticed much of a difference between having 0 and 99 Humanity until I started doing, like, Soul Level 1 runs, and at 99 Humanity, like, you can take an extra hit at Soul Level 1, like, it's, it gives you that much, it's like a basic defense boost that, and it's not dramatically different, but it's, you know, it's, it's something that holding onto that Humanity actually does help some stats out, so you become a little bit uh, rougher of a dude, I guess. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even know that. Man, man, ask me anything about Dark Souls 1. I have so much dumb trivia knowledge (laughs) about Dark Souls 1 from me obsessing about that game for so long that I just just know a bunch of random bullshit that nobody really needs to know at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's useful. Um, You know, bring it up in a job interview. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any need for Dark Souls 1 trivia on this outside sales position, (laughs) Mr. Manager? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm an engineer, but... You you guys need to know about Dark Souls, right? <laughs> I'm an engineer that can explain how world tendency works in Demon Souls. I think that I think that's a valuable skill. <laughs> uh, Demon Souls is one that I actually wish I could try, but I, I'm not going to go buy a PlayStation Three to try it. Um, just because I want to see where like where it all began, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Dark Souls, Dark Souls did a lot very very well, and Dark Souls Two was different and i appreciated that it was hard to get into at first um and the skeleton lords were by far the best boss in that game (laughs) the skeleton lords are very good yeah i i walked into that thing and i was like wait wait is this a boss fight (laughs) and my instinct was like kill everything as fast as you can because more more things trying to kill you is worse so i killed each of the skeleton lords as fast as I could. And then almost at the same time, (laughs) everything came up from the ground and I was like, "Ah!" (laughs) I turned, it turned into a panic and I just ran around the room, like picking them off one by one. It was hilarious. That's really awesome. Yeah. And the music was awesome. I did that recently. I was uh, trying to get through them for a soul level one run that I'm doing with a buddy of mine. And uh, that, that, fight is not a tough fight like i've gone through that fight you know countless times but at soul level one even trying to because it's it's either a case of like i want to summon all of the baddies at once or i want to dodge fireballs for a long time and it's man it's it's tough to balance it when you have no stamina (laughs) whatsoever well i i'm kind of bummed out because i actually beat that my first try and i was tempted to just use a bonfire aesthetic so i could do it again just because it was hilarious that that fight was awesome. And actually that's the that's one of the things about Dark Souls 2 is that like they they added mechanics that were were good like power stancing and bonfire aesthetics and they made the game like its own unique thing compared to the second or the first one. And then you go to number 3 and it's like this is this kind of like the first one for the people who didn't get the first one <laughs> it is yeah i want dark souls 2-2 right like i want that game yeah. like i want i want a game that follows up on bonfire aesthetics and especially power stancing i think there's room to in the power the idea of power stancing to really create a, a super interesting combat system like I, I love that stuff yeah well and why did they get rid of twin blades those were cool Twin like, blades are dope. Like and nothing, and like nothing th- makes you feel like a medieval Darth Maul like twin blades. And 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 I don't care that it's not balanced for PvP. Like I I don't like as much as I love the PvP, I never cared about it, wanting it to be fair with certain weapons or not. Um, because yeah, I I didn't do like straight up fight clubs or like or well, I mean I did them, but like I I, w- I didn't care enough about that. Like just let me invade as a, a as a complete weirdo, and I, that's what I want to do. So like make the twin blades super strong. I don't care. <laughs> make them stagger every other NPC character in the game. I don't care. They just look cool. <laughs> yeah, and let me power stance twin blades so that I can just run around with four blades and actually probably kill myself before I'd kill anything else. <laughs> Call it bleeding, causing your bleed bar just builds up immediately as soon as you hit R one because you're just killing yourself constantly. There's there's no safe way to carry two of those things, and you're just like, God, I'm killing myself. <laughs> That's what would happen to a bunch of nerds if they ever invent real lightsabers. Like a bunch of nerds are going to die the day those come to market just because they think they know how to use them and it's just not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. 
I've been practicing with a flashlight because, you know, it's not like there's any mass in the blade. It's just a flashlight. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> practicing with the flashlight. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, man, thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast and talking to me about your, your soul's experiences. I've really enjoyed this. I've, I've, I've had a really good time this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. That was, that was good. Uh, where can you be found on the internet? Should people want to seek you out? So I actually, um, right now I have a YouTube channel that has like two videos that I posted forever ago. I think one of them's a Neo video and one of them's a, a Dark Souls video. So, I mean, I can leave that. I, I, if I get like 10 subscribers and I'll actually try and post something, I probably will just leave that how it is. Because yeah, I know s- the- send me the link and I'll, uh, I'll add it to the show notes so people can go and subscribe it. Yeah. And I actually, um, I've gotten involved in uh, writing an anthem fanfic. Okay. <laughs> it's nerdy, but like the upcoming game Anthem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, that took me by, by that took me back a little bit. I was like, wait a minute, Anthem. That okay, okay, I'm with you. I'm yeah. rolling. <laughs> no, I uh, I played an alpha of it, and it's it's cool. Um, it's a lot of fun, and I'm really hoping that EA doesn't fuck it up. But I guess we'll see. Do you have a uh, leaks for that too? Um, it's, so I'm, it's going to go on this website and I'm not sure if the website is live right now, Okay. but I'll definitely send it along. Okay. Well, just let me know and I'll, I'll update the show notes whenever it goes live and, and add the link in there for you. So no big deal. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you again for guesting, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That website has links to all of the different ways you can support the show. Uh, Patreon is probably the most direct way. By the time this is coming out, uh, I think Sekiro would have been out already. because And uh, that means I've probably announced my new project. But uh, yeah, just keep following Patreon for updates for that. If this, if this comes out earlier, I don't want to spoil it for people. So yeah. Uh, you could also leave reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate that. There's also a merch store if you want to put a skelly on your belly. Um, and as always, just thanks for listening and thanks for commenting back on the podcast and sharing it around. It's really nice when people do that. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, remember, don't give up skeleton. And we're good. Thank you, man. That was awesome. That went about like in a flash. No, I... I...